Welcome to the service of worship this morning as we gather together to learn a little more of the Lord's Prayer and also to share in the sacrament of Holy Communion this morning. If you haven't yet had a chance, please uh, make sure you get some bread and some wafers or uh, some juice, some water, even if you've got it, whatever you've got at home will be fine. Gather some elements together and we'll share in the sacrament uh, a little later on after the sermon. A special word of welcome if you're joining, joining with us for the first time. We trust that you will enjoy and feel part of the family of God as we gather all over the world uh, at different times <clears throat> and in different places. We know that God's hand, God's spirit is above all and in all and draws us all together. Please make sure you comment, tell us where you're watching from, uh, tell us, send us a uh, reaction buttons, interact with us. That's the whole point of us doing the live stream service. So let us know that you're watching and uh, even if it's on another day, it doesn't have to be during the Sunday morning, but however you're watching, in, engage with us and we'll respond to your comments through the week. The peace of the Lord be with you, friends. Thank you. Won't you take a few moments, and if you're with somebody, pass God's peace on to them. If you're on your own, know that I have greeted you and received your greeting back. Let us come before God in prayer. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, as we continue to focus on the Lord's Prayer in our service of worship, even as we dress you as Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for that privilege. For the wonder and the joy of being able to be called your children. For the knowledge of the fact that you seek this relationship with us. That you desire to, to engage with us on an intimate level as a father to a child. We thank you, Jesus Christ, for your presence in this world. For the power of, of, of what you have done for us on the cross. For what we celebrate in the sacrament of Holy Communion as we rejoice in the forgiveness that is given and bought for us, as we celebrate, Lord, that, that you are a God who has, has made a way for us to be free from sin, free from the power of sin that, that can so easily bind. But in you, Lord, we have overcome through the victory of Christ on the cross. As we take Holy Communion today, may that be made especially real to us, the beauty of our relationship made real, and the desire to build your kingdom and to do your will, to use our lives to glorify you. May that, Lord, also be something which, which grab hold, grabs hold of us today. May the desire to live faithfully for you be something which, which fills our hearts and minds and spirits. As we listen to your message, Lord, may you challenge us in this direction and show us the opportunities that there are for your kingdom to come in this world. We pray your blessing upon this service, upon our time together, as we commit ourselves to you. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Friends, if you hear a faint buzzing noise on the audio feed, we have a, a crew doing some roadworks outside, and unfortunately uh, that is a... A noise that we can't do anything about. Also, if I tend to be slightly out of focus, 
and it's, uh, it has to do with the speed of our internet here. Don't um, worry too much about it. The audio should still be pretty clear and hopefully as the, day, as the service goes on, the, uh, the focus will improve. It's unfortunately one of the, the downsides when we, when we uh, put up the program for running the liturgy. And uh, as I say, we're trying to get through those technical things. Just a few notices, an important reminder for uh, the city congregation that there's a meeting at 2 o'clock today in the church, a congregational meeting, a special face-to-face -face meeting where we get to discuss the exciting and significant developments that have been taking place down uh, at the coast as they seek to forge their, uh, their own path and their own direction of, of both ministry and governance. So that's two o'clock today in the church, and please be assured that we've signed onto the COVID safe industry plan for places of worship, and all of the uh, correct procedures will be in place. Then also connecting conversations continues on Tuesday night, and uh, there is also an elders meeting tomorrow night, Monday the 3rd, an elders meeting here in the church, also where COVID safe practices will be in place. Today we continue looking at the Lord's Prayer and uh, we read our first reading from Mark chapter 1 verse 14 to 15. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And Luke chapter 4, verses 42 to 44. At daybreak, Jesus went to a solitary place. The people were looking for him. And when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Part of our worship is to express our love for God in the gifts that we give Him. We thank you for your faithfulness in giving, for your continued uh, offering to God's work and support of the work of this church in building the kingdom. If you would like to make an offering or uh, contribute in this way, please find all our bank details on the church website or in the link below in the comments section. Um, and if you prefer not to do electronic banking, but would rather just drop off the offerings in at the office, you are also welcome to do that. As we give thanks and dedicate those gifts to God uh, in a way to honor Him, <clears throat> we will also bring before God our intercessory prayers, our prayers for others. Let us pray. Lord God, <clears throat> to be able to bless you with these gifts that we give, is truly a magnificent privilege. We offer these gifts to you with the greater gift of ourselves. They are gifts of love. They are gifts, Lord, that show that you are the most valuable thing in our lives. Not even money takes your place. You are above all and through all and in all. And all of our lives honor you, including our possessions. Take these gifts, use them to build your kingdom, to spread your work in this part of the community, we pray that your name may be glorified. Lord God, we pray for those who 
are in need of our prayers today. And we think particularly <clears throat> of those who live in Victoria and in the, in the hot spots in Sydney. We pray for them particularly. We pray for their leaders, for the medical professions. We pray, Lord, that the outbreaks would come under control, that they would stem the tide of new infections and of deaths. We pray, Lord, that uh, those spots in Queensland which are in danger would also uh, be kept from a full-blown outbreak. We pray, Lord, that people would do the right thing and, and that the coronavirus would stay suppressed. We pray for wisdom for our leaders as they govern and seek to do the best for the health of our people and, and balancing that with the economic needs as well. We pray, Lord, for those who have lost loved ones during this time, for those who grieve and for those, Lord, who haven't even been able to say goodbye. We pray for those countries, Lord, where the uh, coronavirus needs are outstripping the, uh, the medical facilities and capabilities of doctors and nurses. We lift them before you. We pray too, Lord, for our own needs for those things that weigh heavily on our heart. And you alone know what they are, whether it be a friend who we wish to bring to you, someone who we know needs prayer, whether it be a relationship of ours that needs healing, whatever the needs may be, we lift them to you. In the precious name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. In the height of the atrocities of the Second World War, the Auschwitz concentration camp was one of the cruelest places on earth. One of its youngest prisoners was a 13-year-old boy named Sigmund Gorson. 13 years old. Take a moment to just think about that in the context of somebody you may know who's that age, whether it's a child or a grandchild or, or another teenager. But when you think about it in terms of an actual person you know, it puts the horror of that situation into a, a frightening clarity. For Sigmund Gorson, though, the situation was made infinitely worse by the fact that he was completely alone. He knew no one. When he was captured, he was made to watch as the Nazi officer laughingly and intentionally executed both his mother and his father right in front of his eyes. And when he was taken all alone to Auschwitz, he was, uh, yes, he was surrounded by other prisoners, but he didn't know a single one of them. And they were all concerned with their own problems of, of trying to survive, of finding loved ones, of trying to get news of loved ones, of, of uh, trying to scrounge food from whatever they could find. And 13-year-old Sigmund was all alone, grieving, cold, and scared. And he started asking the other prisoners, he kept saying to them, did you know my father? Did you know my mother? Were you a friend of the Gorson family? Did anyone even know the Gorson family? And in Sigmund's mind, he thought if he could just find somebody who even knew the family before all of this happened, then he wouldn't be so terribly and utterly alone. One day he approached a man and asked the same questions. Do you know my father? And the man answered, no. But instead of walking away like everyone else had done, 
The man put his hand on the shoulder of the 13-year-old boy and said, No, I didn't know him. But why don't you tell me about him? That man stayed and listened to Sigmund talk about his father and his mother and the whole family story. The man was a priest named Maximilian Colby. And Father Colby would listen to Sigmund often and let the boy just pour his heart out. He was exactly the friend and company that the boy needed at that time. Sigmund asked Father Colby more questions than just the family ones. He asked him questions of faith. He would say, where is God? He sobbed one day to Father Colby, why did God let my parents get murdered? I've lost my faith, he said. Sometimes the priest would speak words of comfort to the boy, but usually, most often in fact, he would just reach out and wipe the tears while weeping with Sigmund at the same time. Day after day, this went on, as love was shown to Sigmund despite the horror in which they lived. Sigmund Gorson survived Auschwitz. Maximilian Kolbe did not. He was executed by his Nazi captors. But years later, Sigmund still thanked God for the man who had brought the touch of Jesus Christ and, and the touch of God's kingdom into the, full, uh, the, 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 the filthy and cruel world of Auschwitz. Sigmund said, he was like an angel to me. Like a mother hen, he took me under his wings. He used to wipe away the tears. I believe in God more since that time. Because of the death of my parents, I was asking, where is God? And had lost faith. Father Colby gave me that faith back by showing me exactly where God was. This touching story is a story that shows what happens when we truly and with sincerity pray the words, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Charles Colson uh, said that if we take the gospel and live it out in every aspect of life, then we not only transform that culture, but God's kingdom comes in that moment. This could arguably be the central pivotal petition of the Lord's Prayer because this part, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. These are the words of the with which Jesus started his ministry. The very first thing he said was, the kingdom of God is here. In fact, so central to the coming of God's kingdom uh, was this person and message of Jesus that it is mentioned 49 times in Matthew, 16 times in Mark, and 38 times in Luke. It is so central to the message of Jesus and so important as to be the first petition after honoring God in the prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray. This is what he says. Once you have honored God, you ask him this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If that's how important it is, then indeed we must take time to understand what this kingdom and God's will is all about and what exactly we are praying for. Three weeks ago we began a series looking at the Lord's Prayer in detail. The point of the series is to take us through this prayer that Jesus taught us in such a way that we gain a better understanding 
of his incredible teaching, but, but also so that we're drawn into a deeper and more meaningful, more intimate relationship with God. We've examined the concept of the Lord's Prayer as a whole. We've looked at the nature of us being able to call God Father. Last week we looked at, at the heaven and, and the holiness in the line, Hallowed be your name. If you've missed any of those series, please go, any of those sermons, please go back uh, to our YouTube channel, our Facebook page, or our podcast, and you can catch up there. But in the next set of words, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are letting God know that our heartfelt desire is that the will of God, the desires of God, the laws of God will be lived out on earth in the hearts and in the lives of every person. Now that's quite something to be praying because we must know that such a request, such a bold request, has to start somewhere. And that somewhere is right here in our own hearts and lives. I know that for myself, when I pray this part of the Lord's Prayer and we're talking about this, this big concept of God's kingdom and we pray that, that God's will be done on, on another big concept, we pray God's will will be done on earth. It becomes very easy to think of this part of the prayer as, as being kind of out there. You're praying for, for the masses of the world. You're praying for God to be over everything in general, uh, in a kind of a general sort of way. But if we truly pray this prayer, the coming of God's kingdom and the doing of God's will begins with us, you and me. Praying the prayer means a greater faithful, faithfulness for us. It means changes being made in our lives. It means a deepened relationship with God and a greater desire to serve Him. A greater desire for us to connect with the central message of Jesus Christ. As I said, your kingdom come were the words with which Jesus started His ministry. As Matthew records it, the kingdom of God is here. Or as Luke has it, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God because that is why I was sent. <clears throat> now to understand the definition of the kingdom of God, <clears throat> excuse me, we need to grasp a characteristic of the Hebrew writing style called parallelism. Now, parallelism is the name given to the way in which the Hebrew used to say everything twice. Obviously, all the people who wrote the Bible must have been parents, and they were in the habit of having to repeat themselves over and over again. Every parent, by necessity, uses parallelisms all the time, even if we didn't know what they were called. <clears throat> I'm kidding. Parallelisms are a little bit more involved than just repeating what you say because someone isn't listening. In an effort to emphasize and to explain, the parallelism is used. To emphasize and to explain. To clarify and to highlight. The Hebrew would say something one way and then repeat it or explain it again in another way. Debbie and I once had a waiter who did this. We actually still joke about it. We were on a date and we asked the waiter about a certain item on the menu. And he stood with great thoughtfulness on his face and he said, it's like a pie. So 
It's a uh, form of dough with meat inside of it. Uh, what I mean to say is that it's this round baked thing that's filled with, with meat and vegetables and sauce. And this went on and on. It was parallelism after parallelism. He just didn't stop. We were both kind of saying, okay, okay, we got it and neither of us want to order it. But he carried on this mission to try and make us understand using another two or three parallelisms until he was looking around in exasperation to, to show us some way that, that we could get to trying to conceptualize this dish which we could never possibly imagine. And he actually picked up the sugar bowl and said triumphantly as if he had finally reached the pinnacle of his explanatory prowess. He said, it's like a sugar bowl, but with pastry. <laughs> Needless to say, neither of us ordered it. And we certainly didn't want to know what anything else on the menu was. By that stage, our parking was already going to cost a small fortune. And we did want to get home sometime that same evening. So we were happy to take our chances with whatever else on the menu didn't need explaining. But in Scripture, parallelisms quite are, are there quite often. And we see it where things are divided into two and the second half amplifies and amplifies and explains and clarifies the first. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's, the whole earth, and everything in it, the world and those who live in it. Or Proverbs 3, blessed is the person who finds wisdom, the person who gains understanding. For wisdom is more profitable than silver, and the gain she brings is better than gold. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength a present help in times of trouble. Psalm 23, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Parallelisms all the way. And if we apply this understanding to the Lord's Prayer, then we actually find for ourselves the definition of the kingdom of God. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The coming of God's kingdom is the will of God being done on earth as it is in heaven. A South African uh, minister and, and spirituality author, Trevor Hudson, defines God's kingdom like this. <clears throat> it is the place where the will of God reigns supreme, where his loving nature is carried out completely, where the heart of God is perfectly reflected on earth as it is in heaven. <clears throat> now the kingdom of God has a past and a future and a present dimension to it. If we look at the definition, we can see how that works. As regards the past, Dallas Willard says, we're not praying in this moment that God's kingdom would suddenly burst into existence. It's existed before time began. It'll exist after time has ended. But in the past, the kingdom of God physically came to earth with the actual presence of Jesus. He was the physical embodiment, the perfection of God's will being done. In terms of the future aspect of the kingdom, Christ will come again. Once again, he will come and this time evil will be defeated and God will reign over all things and his kingdom will be complete. But in terms of the present, the present coming of the kingdom, well, that concerns you and me. <clears throat> this is where we come into the picture. 
You see, according to the definition of God's kingdom, anyone who at any time has perfectly done God's will has been within God's kingdom. However, the world is very far from being uh, that place where the will of God is universally done. Hence the need for our prayers that it will be so. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And as we pray those words, it's easy to see that we are not praying for some nation or country or people far away to rush in God's kingdom. We're praying that prayer for ourselves. <clears throat> we are praying that our very culture, those things that we do as normal and natural, the very way we live and conduct our lives, we are praying that our culture and nature and will and desires and actions will be now as they should be in God's kingdom. And while we pray this may be so for the whole world, we know that in this present time, God's kingdom has everything to do with how we live it out. You and I as individuals. It's about us being willing to submit our hearts, our wills, our lives, our souls, our obedience to God. It is about being willing to make our lives the place where the will of God is done completely, where it is given priority. It's about you and I being willing every day to live our lives empowered by the Holy Spirit, to be full of God's transforming grace, to do His will, to love and to serve that the heart of God is seen in every encounter, in every interaction, in every moment that we spend breathing in the presence of God. And when we do that, God's kingdom knows no boundaries. God's kingdom comes wherever Christians are. May the will of God, may the loving heart of God, may the warmth and the peace of God radiate from us like it radiates in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How does that happen? <clears throat> well, it comes down to living in such a way that we change the culture around us, like Jesus did. If, uh, if Jesus announced the arrival of God's kingdom in his presence, then it is Jesus to whom we should be looking. He brought the change in culture and kingdom by the way that he loved, by the way that he served, by the way that he cared for people. We may think that being obedient to God's will means we, we go out there and we convert the world. Or we be a leader in doing something big and important and spectacular. But that's not what we see in Jesus. I think that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven is a lot simpler than that. It's about doing what Jesus did. After all, that was when God's will was being carried out on earth. Jesus loved. Jesus served. Over and over again, wherever he went, he changed the way people acted. He changed the culture of the world forever. He cared. He was kind. He treated people like they were valuable. He treated people like their lives mattered. He forgave. He loved. And he served. <clears throat> As we emulate that, we too change the culture of the world as we bring the kingdom of God right where we are through the smallest of actions. For Maximilian Kolbe, it was as simple as stopping to listen to a 13-year-old boy in the middle of Auschwitz concentration camp. 
where he could do nothing else but listen and wipe away a tear. And there is the kingdom of God. God's kingdom is the place where his loving nature is carried out and the heart of God is perfectly reflected. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me end with a story. <coughs> Steve Shogren ran a church who had a particularly good grasp of what it meant to carry out God's love in this world. And they would focus specifically on ways to show God's love in acts of kindness and care to others. One of their initiatives that they used to do to do this was offering a free car wash in the community. Volunteers would come together bringing buckets and soap and sponges and a big, free, a big car wash sign went up and as people drove in, they would be pleasantly surprised when they asked what it would cost and they were told that the car wash was free if they asked why and only if they asked why. They would be told simply, we just want to show you God's love in a practical way. That's it. We just want to show you God's love in a practical way. <clears throat> One day, a man by the name of Joe Delaney was playing catch with his son Jared in their backyard. His wife, Jared's mother, had recently and unexpectedly passed away, and this left them both in a, in a terrible place of pain and of hurting and of, of trying to muddle their way through. And as they were throwing the ball back and forth, <clears throat> catching it in their baseball mitts, Jared said, Dad, is there a God? And Joe felt the horror of being put on the spot because he didn't really believe, especially after what he had gone through. He didn't want to lie to his son either, but he didn't know what to say in the context of all the things that, that they had gone through and, and everything that had, that had happened. So he, he answered truthfully and said, I don't know, Jared. I just don't know. And he threw the ball back at him again. Joe's agnosticism failed to stifle Jared's curiosity, though. And he said, but Dad, if there is a God, how would you know him? And Joe said, I, I've no idea, Jared. No idea. I don't know a lot about these things. And Jared took off his glove and put it down and he ran into the house and he said, Dad, I'll, I'll be right back. I've got just the thing. And Jared came back out a few minutes later with a helium balloon from a, a birthday party the day before and a pen and a little index card. And Joe said, what are you doing, Jared? He said, I'm going to send Dad, I'm going to send God a message, Dad. I'm going to send it to him by airmail. Jared started writing. He wrote, Dear God, if you are real and if you are there, send people who know you to Dad and me. Joe thought to himself, this is silly. But he didn't want to dampen his son's enthusiasm and frankly he had no idea what else to do but to go with it. But as they watched the balloon with the message tied to it sail away, into the sky. Joe, in a moment that he didn't quite understand, prayed a little prayer and said, God, if you are there, 
this is my son. And he's really hurting. And if you are real, you really need to answer his question. And they watched the balloon until it disappeared from sight. Two days later, they decided to get the car washed. Guess which car wash they went to? How much? Joe asked. Nothing. It's free. No strings attached. And Joe was intrigued. But why are you doing this? Steve said to him, well, we just want to show you God's love in a practical way. Steve writes, it was as if that simple statement opened a door to Joe's heart. The look on his face was incredibly. He practically shouted, are you guys Christians? Yes, we're Christians, said Steve. Are you the kind of Christians who believe in God, said Joe. Yes, we're that kind of Christian, smiled Steve. Jared, who was so excited, he was almost climbing over his dad and through the window, said, see, Dad, I knew it. God is real. Joe looked at Steve and said, I guess you're the answer to one of the strangest prayers God must have ever received. And God's loving nature is reflected beautifully. And God's desire is carried out faithfully. And the will of God is done. And his kingdom comes on earth in that moment right there in the free car wash. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. To live in the kingdom of God isn't to run a mega church or to convert hundreds of people. Jesus didn't even do that. To usher in the kingdom of God is simply to love and to serve and to obey him in this world. To practically show the kindness and grace and the beauty of God to others. And if we pray those words, if we pray the words of the Lord's Prayer, we need to be willing to be the ones in whose life the will of God reigns supreme and through whose life the will of God will be done on this earth. Amen. Let us pray. Our dear Father, always near us and within us, your presence fills the heavens all around us. May your name be treasured and loved in this world and in our lives. May you give us the ability to see the many places that we can be instrumental in bringing your kingdom in this world. May your spirit strengthen us to see the many small ways that we can love and serve others. May this be our most heartfelt and most genuine prayer every time we pray the prayer that you taught us. And we say together, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom 
the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Friends, if you take a moment to uh, gather the elements that you have prepared for Holy Communion as Ray and I get ready to uh, lead you in taking the sacrament. We will go through the liturgy as we have it uh, printed here. I was just joking about making Ray remember it all. But um, we will go through it. The parts that you know, uh, say it together with Ray. Whenever Ray is speaking, that's the part of response for everybody. Friends, look as you gather around this table. It is decked out with simple things, bread and wine. Gifts of the earth that remind us that like them, each one of us holds within us the fingerprints of God who made us. At this table, we are invited to draw up a chair and dine with the saints and to feed our souls. Here we sit with the priests and prophets, prisoners and poets, whose testaments live in the pages of God's book, along with all the friends and faithful guides who live within our hearts. So with this in mind, we raise our voices together with countless others, saying, Holy, holy, holy God of all creation and life, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is one who comes in the name of God. Hosanna in the highest. On the night of his betrayal, Jesus took bread and wine and recreated them with a new purpose. We take this bread, and as we break it, we remember Jesus' words, Take and eat, this is my body broken for you. We take this cup, and as we raise it, we remember Jesus' words, Take and drink, this is my blood poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sin. We break bread together and we become the living body of Christ. We share the cup together and we become agents of God's grace. Lord, we come to your table, trusting in your mercy and not in any goodness of our own. We are not worthy to gather the crumbs under your table, but your grace makes us worthy and on that we depend. So feed us with the body and blood of Christ, we pray, resurrecting to live the life you call us to. Amen. Friends, if you'll take the bread, the body of Christ broken for you. Amen. We take and eat. We take the cup the blood of Christ shed for us. Amen. We spend a few moments in prayer. If you know the prayer of thanksgiving, say it with Ray and myself. We thank you, Lord, that you have fed us in this sacrament, united us with Christ, and given us a foretaste of the heavenly banquet prepared for all people. Amen. Thank you, Ray.
Friends, as we end the service, we, uh, we do apologize for that slight glitch that we had in the beginning. I hope you were able to, to find it again and, and uh, catch up with us. And I pray that you may have a blessed day. I look forward to seeing you, uh, those who will be able to come to the meeting at 2 o'clock. And uh, we'll see you then. The Lord bless and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.